Hey, welcome to Exit 15. How's everybody doing? Come on. You're in the room. Praise the Lord for that, right? Praise the Lord. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, hopefully you got that talk sheet and a pen in front of you. And uh, we're going to jump right in to God's Word and studying and continuing our series called Straight Facts. And uh, it's kind of an apologetic type of series as we look at some of, or 10, different core truths about our faith and how we can best equip ourselves to be able to defend our faith and know the God that loves us and cares for us. How many of you were here last week? How many of you were here the week before that? And then the week before that? Okay, so you've been a part of the whole series. Praise the Lord. Good job. And for those of y'all that have just jumped in, it's okay. You can pick right up right where you are. And so I'm really excited. Hey, last week, it was an incredible talk, and we, uh, we looked at God, right? We tried the apologetic side, and one of the biggest things is God is holy. And I know some of you, uh, about 106 of you, actually, I don't know if you remember the QR code phrase thing that you guys did last week, uh, got some incredible responses from that, and uh, was... I was overwhelmed. I was reading those again today. How many of you just saw God as being father in the middle of when you don't feel like you have a father? That was amazing to read. Some of you put 100%. Like God is 100%. He's 100% all the time. And some of you just said he is amazing. And I'm just, I mean, it was just a really cool to read and hear you in those responses worship God and to reflect upon who he is. And we talked about last week how holy God is without blemish. And in that his holiness and in our sinfulness, we saw Isaiah 6, the gap, and how Isaiah, what God did in that moment where he took the coals, do you remember that? Took the coals and took it down to Isaiah's mouth and purified him. And we saw how even as God is holy and we are not, he still made a way for us to have a relationship with him. And that leads us into this week, as we get to talk about the man of the hour, all right, or even the man of our lifetime, Jesus. We're going to dive in tonight and take a, a kind of a, a hard look at what makes Jesus the man. What makes him so qualified? What makes him so fit to be our Savior? How in the world, why in the world would God send Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we can have eternal life in relationship with Him? And what makes Him so much better than all the rest? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever thought about that? In your own relationship with God or even in your, in your day, maybe you're walking around the, you know, your school or maybe you're walking around the house and go, I wonder why Jesus is the, you know, the man. Why, why Him? And I, we're going to take a kind of a, a deep dive into that and look at that, how and why that is true of us tonight. And so here's the thing. When I was growing up, I never wanted to be like my dad. Some of you are like, no, I don't either, you know. But here's, here's what I mean by that. I never wanted to look like my dad. I never wanted to, you know, I saw my dad as he grew up and, and my, my dad was a military guy. And so he, and he, he loved the Lord he was always a deacon at our church, and he led our family so well. But as I was growing up, and you always think about your dad and your parents and, like, who you look like the most. You ever, you ever thought about that? Like, how, who, how did I, who, who, who do I most look like? Now, when you think about your parents, do you feel like you look more like your dad, or do you feel like you look more like your mom? For all those that think that you look more like your mom, raise your hand. Yes? 
Wow, okay, that's a good number. How many of you feel like you look more like your dad? Oh, yeah, there it is. That's me. I'm in that camp. Okay, so I, I honestly, when I, was a, when I was a teenager, I was like, I don't want to have those, you know, mannerisms, and I don't want to look like him, and I don't want to talk like him, because, you know, I got to be my own man, right? I got to be my own man. And so I would try to not talk like, I would find myself talking like my dad. I would find doing mannerisms and things that kind of sound like my dad. And I always, in those moments, always was going like, I would try to straighten up or I try to do something different to not like sound like my dad. Here's the reality. (laughs) The more, the older I get, the more I look like my dad, especially when I got glasses, especially when I started wearing glasses or like I'm starting to look like dad. When I started getting gray hair, I started looking like my dad. And then there were times when I was talking with people and I was interacting with people, I would hear my dad. Like it would come out of my mouth. The things that he would say, the, the older I've gotten, the more I look like my dad. And I know my dad is watching right now, so hi, dad, I love you. Uh, but it is one of those things, right? It is one of those things. The older I got, the more I look like my dad. And here's the thing I want us to take into consideration. As we think about Jesus, Jesus looks like, acts like, is his dad. He is just like the Father. He is the image of the invisible one, what Scripture teaches us. And the things and the qualities and the characteristics of Jesus came from his daddy. And we need to understand that, and we need to take that in consideration. But what makes Jesus so much different, so much different than you and I, is that one fact is that how he came to be and how he came to step foot on this planet was much different than how you and I came to step on this planet. You and I, we're all high school students, right? We're all old, older. We can handle this. We're a little bit mature. You and I are created by the seed of our mom and dad, especially the seed of the dad. Mom carried us for nine months, and we were birthed into this world. And so when you think about that pathway for us to be a part of this incredible world that we live in and get to enjoy a relationship with the Lord, it's because it came through the seed of your dad. When you think about Jesus, Jesus didn't take that pathway. Jesus didn't take on the seed of man. Jesus took the seed of his heavenly father. And in that, it changes everything. Now, here's the big idea I want to share with all of us tonight. If you have your talk sheet there, here's the big idea. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin, which means he didn't inherit the sinful nature passed down from Adam, which made him fit to be our Savior. That's a very loaded statement, and that's what we're going to unpack tonight. That's what we're going to unpack Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin, which means he didn't inherit the sinful nature passed down from Adam, and it made him fit to be our Savior. So what separates Jesus from everybody else? Here's point number one. Jesus is not like anyone else. Jesus is not like anyone else. He's different. And we see that difference in Matthew chapter 1, one of the most definitive passages in regards to this subject. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, 
before they came together, she found to be child by the, what? Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her of the Holy Spirit. Whoa, that's big. She will bear a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see the purpose, you see where Jesus comes from, right? And you see his purpose all in this one, these two verses. Now, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which translates, means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. We see in point number one, you see in point A, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't have the seed of Adam. He didn't carry that sinful nature that Adam had, you know, in the garden. You remember that? You know, Genesis 1. You know, where the garden was, it was perfect, it was awesome, and Genesis 3, it just broke because Eve took uh, the fruit of, and sin entered the world. And we are of the seed of Adam, but Jesus is not. Jesus is of the seed of the Holy Spirit, God. That makes him different. That makes him not like us. Because in that, he took on the very character and the nature of God. He took on the seed of God, God the Father. And we see in this moment, and we see two different times in this passage where he came from. Number two, he was born of a virgin. That makes him different, right? That makes him different. He was born of a virgin. Mary was chosen by God, chosen by God to carry <laughs> the Savior, to carry Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the one that put that baby right there in her womb. And Mary, chosen by God, was the one given to carry, and she was a virgin two different times. And Joseph even protected that through her pregnancy. That's pretty amazing, that Joseph would honor God in that way and not allow that to happen until after Jesus was born. And number three, we see how he's perfectly sinless. He's sinless. So he's conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin and sinless. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, Jesus did not enter this world through sin. He didn't. He didn't come through sin. He came through righteousness. He came through holiness. He was perfectly sinless. And he was perfect from his birth until his death. Jesus is not like anyone else. But yet here's the beauty of who he is. He gets us and he knows us because he walked with us and lived life with us. He walked on this planet. For 33 years, lived a sinless life, interacted with mankind. He was BFFs with 12 different people 
and my, probably much more. But he had a friendship, a relationship, a interaction with mankind. He didn't separate himself, but yet he dwelled with us. He came and lived with us. Number two, not only is Jesus not like any other person, but Jesus is, I want you to underline, highlight, is our Savior. He is our Savior. Jesus is the only one, the only one that is fit and qualified to be our Savior. Only Him. Oh, there have been lots of people all throughout history that have tried to be the Savior of mankind, but failed miserably. Why? Because they are sinful people from the seed of sin. But Jesus, being totally different, lived that life for us. Lived that perfect, sinless life for us so that we can know God. He identifies with us and knows us. I'm getting ahead of myself. Here we go. Um, Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2 says this. One of my favorite passages is plastered on the wall in the big room. Hopefully we'll get back there soon. But on the big room up in the, uh, the high school room, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay, also lay aside every hindrance of sin so that, that easily entangles us and let us run the endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And this is where it really gets good. Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is big. What Jesus did for us, living a sinless life, dying a cruel death, taking on the sin of you and I, such that by faith we would trust in him and he paved the way. He paved the way for us to have a relationship with God Almighty. Can I get an amen for Jesus in the house? Can I get an amen? Some of y'all are sleeping and you need to wake up. What he did for you, he paid your penalty. The sin that you carried the seed of Adam that lives within you. Jesus took that sin and bore it upon the cross, paid the penalty that you and I deserved. He did that for you, out of love for you. For God so loved the what world, that's me and you, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise the Lord. There needs to be some believers in the house tonight. There need to be some believers that simply say, I know Jesus as a personal Savior of mine. Because he's the only one. Praise the Lord. He is the only one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus was perfect and he was sinless. I have three points. Here we go and we're finished. Or four points. One, his life. We see his life is evidence of him being our Savior, fit to be our Savior, his life. Jesus lived for the glory of the Father, lived for the glory of the Father, and taught us that we should do the same, living lives of worship and service and sacrifice. These are the things that Jesus did and displayed for us while he was here on this earth. Number two, his ministry. The things he communicated, the things that he said, 
the ministry that he lived, because he is God, he had the power to perform miracles. And he did so as a sign of his divine nature and to help people like me and you overcome their lack of faith. When we see the miracles that Jesus did in the ministry that he performed, man, there's some amazing miracles in the Bible. I don't know if you read those miracles, but one of those involved spit. That's my favorite one. Like, you've heard me teach on this several times. Like, I love it. I think that's the most creative thing ever. And that is his ministry. He healed the sick. And he did all of that because he is God. He can. And some of us need to believe the ministry of Jesus is over your own heart and your life right now. What he can do in your heart. You may think that you're so far from God. And no one can ever, nobody could ever understand And Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, I got you. I'll sit in the closet of the darkness of your sin. I'll sit with you right now. You ask me, invite me in, I'll sit with you. I know what you're going through. And I love you and I care for you and I'm going to bring you in. I want you to know the healing that only Jesus can give. His ministry. Number three, his cross. The cross he bore. Oh my gosh. The pain, the agony, the suffering. The shame. The hurled insults, the blood, the beating. He willingly took that. Willingly took that for you. That was you that's supposed to be on the cross. Your sin, that's you. That's the penalty that you pay for your sin. But Christ said, nah, I got you. I'll take it. Blood, like this, pouring down from the crown of thorns they planted on his head. The brutal cross. That he lovingly took for you and for me. The cross means something. It's not just some piece of jewelry you pulled around your neck. The cross means so much more. It means love. It means sacrifice. It means service. And the way of the disciple is to bear the cross. Number four, and probably one of the most definitive reasons why he is our Savior, is because he's not in the grave anymore, ladies and gentlemen. He's not dead. He's not. He's where? Seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We saw that Hebrews 12. He's seated, interceding for you and I. He conquered the sin. He conquered death. He took it all, and he rose from the grave. He is not there anymore. And that is something to celebrate. Because sin could not hold him down. Death could not hold him down. Because the power of Jesus, the power of God was moving in him. And he walked up out of that grave three days later to the glory of God the Father. And he interacted with people. So many different witnesses saw him afterwards to prove that he is God. To prove that he is your Savior. Witness after witness after witness sees him interacting with mankind after his death and after his resurrection. And that is evidence enough for us to believe and to know that he is worthy. He is the one. Only him can save you from your sin. You want to know where your eternity lies? If you know Christ, you know it will be found in heaven. But if you don't know Jesus and you don't know him as your Savior, the reality and the truth of it is when you die and you stand before the Lord, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because the blood of Christ has not been poured out over your life. 
because you have not surrendered in your heart and your life to him. You have not willingly allowed him to pay the penalty for your sin and his blood to be poured out over your heart and your life. And then you can stand righteously before the Lord at the end of your days. I think every one of us want that. Every one of us want to stand before God and to know full well that he knows me and that I know him. And how do I do that? Through faith and belief that Jesus paid it all. Paid it all and paid it in full. Now what? I'm going to run through these three things real fast because I have, I'm done. Jeff, why don't you guys go ahead and start, come on. Now what? What do I do with this? One, be thankful. <laughs> Where's your gratitude? Where's your thankfulness? Does it well up in your heart? Do you think about it? <laughs> do you walk through your day every now and then going, man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Maybe you get up in the morning and you read his word. I did that this morning. Hebrews or Philippians 2 just jumped out of the page for me. And I'm just standing, sitting in my living room, just standing up and just going, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you. Number two, you love him more. You just need to love him more. Oh, Steve, I already love Jesus. Do you, how much more can you love him? I don't think you can outpace the love of God. <laughs> I don't think you can outlove or more love Jesus than who you are right now. Maybe I just love him now. Maybe I want to encourage you to dive deeper into that and understanding the love of Christ. Not only what he has done for you, but what you can and give back to him. Reverence and awe and love for God. And lastly, and I think this is where we need to sit for the rest of the night, is to celebrate often. I don't think we celebrate enough. I don't. And I'm going to challenge you in the next few moments as we sing, as we worship, that you would be very mindful of this face. If anything, look at it. Dwell on it. Think about it. Picture it. If you have to close your eyes and think about Jesus, do that. This is a moment for us to celebrate what Jesus has done for us and to sing at the top of our lungs how amazing and great he is. Why don't you stand to your feet? Put your Bible under your chair. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. In the whisper of your voice, just say his name. Just say his name. His name is good. His name is perfect. And if he really matters to you, you're going to want to say his name more than just one time a day. You're going to want to say his name all day long. And we should never get tired of it. Jesus, thank you. 
Jesus, thank you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Say it. We love you, Jesus. We give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you. We want to know you more intimately and deeply in this moment. Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us in a very real and tangible way for these students who are seeking you and even the curious ones. Lord, I pray that you would stir in their soul right now. God, if there's a student here that needs to beg for forgiveness, I pray your love would take them to their faces and your grace would abound to them. For the student that is walking in rebellion, Lord, I pray that right now by your love and by that little, little still small voice that's in their heart right now, that you would turn them, they would quit running from you, and they would run to you. Lord, I pray for switches to start going off in heads and hearts. I pray that you would do amazing things in this moment as we sing to you, as we give our hearts to you, as we in reckless abandon love you the way that you deserve. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Jesus.